Okay, I want to apologize in advance um, for the nature of this program. It is trade deadline week. I feel like I'm doing, um, I've done a lot of apologies so far this week. This is trade deadline week. We thought it would be trade deadline day. No, instead, general managers decided to stretch this um, this event out over the course of a few days. And as we clo- get closer and closer to Friday, I know a lot of people are skeptical about how many players are actually going to move and is there going to be action. And I know a lot of the heavyweights are already been traded, have already been traded. We'll talk about those in a second. I still think that tomorrow is going to be a little bit nutso. Going to get to that in a couple of seconds. But the reason I apologize to kick off the program is this might feel, once again, like stops and starts. Like when I talk to Elliot here in a couple of moments, don't be surprised if he sounds more distracted, comma, than usual. Uh, it's just the nature of that. And if every now and then I got to step aside, make a call, take a text, it's a good thing we got Matt Marchese standing by. Um to help jump on. Okay, so in that spirit, first of all, before we get to a couple of the trades, speaking of, you know, in the spirit of, of seeing crazy and weird things, things that you never thought you would see before, I've been to a lot of Philadelphia Flyers games in my life. Um, I love going there. I love Flyers fans. They're crazy, right? They're nuts. Um, I love them. They're fantastic. Um, one of the best weekends I ever spent in my life actually was in Philadelphia. Actually, it was with someone that you might have probably heard of or at least seen. I'd be willing to guess that all of you have seen. It was with a guy by the name of Chris Falcone. Now, Chris Falcone was a guy that fell in the penalty box with Ty Domi. And back in her previous lifetime, when I was on 640 doing the Leafs Lunch Show with Waters, we ran a promotion taking a bunch of hockey fans to Philadelphia for, I think it might have been game three, I can't recall at this point, um, and got in touch with Chris Falcone, and he took me and my then-producer Jeff Domet out for an incredible weekend where we did have the proverbial alligator arms and couldn't reach down to our pockets to pay for anything, not because we were cheap, which we were, but because Chris Falcone made sure that while we were in his city, we didn't spend a single dime. One of like the best hockey fans I've ever met in my life. Real kind, real generous, real fun. I got a real soft spot in my heart for Philadelphia, which is why last night was so bizarre. You know, we're used to Ranger, seeing Rangers fans at New Jersey Devils games. We're used to seeing Rangers fans at Islanders games. Seeing that many Rangers fans yesterday in Philadelphia, I'll be honest with you, was kind of a shock, was kind of a stunner. You know, we've seen rival fans infiltrate buildings before. I never thought we'd see Rangers fans and see their spines stiffen to the point where they felt that comfortable going into that building to cheer against that team sitting beside those fans. But there it was. Philadelphia is one of those teams, and that was that was such a weird visual, and sounded bizarre when the Rangers scored and the place came unglued, and you're like, "Is this game an MSG?" Speaking of the Philadelphia Flyers, a couple of things here. So um, teams are continuing to call on James Van Riemsdyk. Um, uh, I would refer to him as Exhibit A for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think the two that are Probably the warmest right now in the discussions with Van Riemsdyk, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, There has been considerable chatter as things move towards Friday and the 3 o'clock Eastern deadline about Ivan Provorov, the defenseman, and could Philly move him, and if so, to which team? Don't know that that one is as much a trade deadline deal as much as it is 
a, uh, a draft day deal if, in fact, the Philadelphia Flyers go down that road. And one of the things, too, that uh, I was reminded of this morning uh, that we should probably keep under consideration, and you might say that, hey, Merrick, this is chalk and cheese, or in American parlance, apples and oranges, um, that given what the return was for Jacob Chikrin, what does that do for the rest of the market for blue liners? Some might say it artificially depresses it. So if you're the Philadelphia Flyers and you're thinking about doing something with Provorov or someone else on your back end, maybe now is not the time to do it. But we'll see. Uh, coming up on the program today, Elliot Friedman is uh, joining me as he does each and every program. We're minutes away from Friedge. Jason York uh, is a co-host of the Coming In Hot Senators podcast. I always look forward to talking to the York Chop. Uh, Bill Armstrong will stop by, general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, they're one of the more interesting and some might say controversial teams around this deadline. And there's a few things uh, to go over with Armstrong. Certainly there's the Chikrin trade. Um, certainly there is the Shane Gostas bear trade. There is the feeling and belief out there that Arizona is not willing to take on any money in any deals. Uh, we'll ask Bill Armstrong about that as well. We should also ask about uh, Nick Schmaltz, who last night left the game, upper body injury, as the Coyotes were doubled up by the Dallas Stars yesterday evening. So we'll talk to Bill Armstrong in hour two. Very much looking forward to that. And also, to wrap up the program, we'll talk about the Detroit Red Wings with Kevin Allen from Hockey Now and Ho- Detroit Hockey Now and Hockey Buzz as well. Uh, the Philip Peronic deal, which is being praised uh, all over the NHL for a nice, tidy bit of business being done by Steve Eiserman. Also, the Tyler Bertuzzi deal. And if you missed it, listen, chances are if you're listening slash watching this program, you already know all of this. But in case you just woke up, Tyler Bertuzzi is a member of the Boston Bruins. And that's where we're going to begin the conversation with Elliot Friedman as we get the show going. Thanks for joining me today. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. He does kind of feel like a Bruin, folks. Think about this for a second. Tyler Bertuzzi and Brad Marchand are on the same team. Just let the gravity of that sink in a little bit as we welcome in Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Freege, Tyler Bertuzzi and Brad Marchand are on the same team now, to which you say what? I say... I hope we don't mean. I hope it doesn't mean more licking. Uh, you know, I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a great pickup by the Bruins, and obviously they knew. Like one of the things we've learned about the Bruins here is that they do things. <coughs> when they decide they're going to do <coughs> do something, they do it pretty quick. You know, Orlov and Hathaway yeah. that happened pretty quick, and I'm just wondering about this whole situation with Hall and Foligno. Uh, I know, believe me, I know the conspiracy theories. I see them too, and I kind of wonder. <laughs> but once they knew that these guys were unavailable, I got to think they pounced pretty quick. Uh, it would make some sense. And there's a couple of things here. The one, and we talked about this over the past couple of days. Actually, we talked about this over the past couple of weeks as we followed the Detroit side of this and wondered about Tyler Bertuzzi. We talked about him on Hockey Night a couple of weeks ago, and then Detroit got close to the playoffs, and all of a sudden, you know, Eisenman wanted to, to snuff out any conversation about Tyler Bertuzzi, but those pair of losses against Ottawa pretty much cemented it. Hironic goes to Vancouver, and then Tyler Bertuzzi goes to the Boston Bruins. I would imagine 
um, <coughs> that there would have been a number of teams, like not just the Boston Bruins, but a number of teams um, that would call looking for someone like Tyler Bertuzzi. You know, David Poyle was on a couple of days ago, and he said Tanner Janot received the most calls of anyone on his roster. Like these types of players at this type of year are the guys that everybody looks for. I call it the Tampa Bay Lightning effect, and we saw that mm-hmm. with you know the Yanni Gord line that helped them win a Stanley Cup. I think this is another example of the Tampa Bay Lightning third line effect. Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I just had, <coughs> I said a salad that went down the wrong way. Um, I completely you agree with that. you got to switch brands of cigarettes. Those are making you cough. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, let me just uh, give me Jeff. Just filibuster for a sec. I'm just working on something here. Yeah, I'm just working on something here. Okay, no problem. You do it. I can chat, and you get back and let us know what you're uh, what you're working on. This is why the advanced apology for the program today, because it is going to feel uh, like stops and starts. Um, but speaking of the Tyler Bertuzzi deal. Um, I don't know that this was a response to anything more than this is just the Boston Bruins acting like the Boston Bruins. And this is the all-in year for the Boston Bruins. Look, David Pasternak resigned. We're going to talk to Elliot about that in a couple of moments. And it's a whopper of a deal. It's a $90 million deal that Pasternak signed. It's eight years, 11.25 is the AAV. So the days of the discounts, and maybe you could say the beginning of the end of the days of the discounts for the Boston Bruins began with Charlie McAvoy. But really, right now, the days of the discounts with the Boston Bruins are done. This is not a discount at all. I'm not saying the player's not worth this. Matter of fact, I do think the player is worth this. Thank you very much. Goals are the hardest thing to to do in the NHL. Um, But once upon a time, and this stretches back... She's probably to Ray Bork and maybe even before the idea of we take less here on the Boston Bruins. The idea that our salaries come in lower because we're a team that's built for championships, not just to, you know, line our retirement packages here. Now that day is that day is done now for this edition of the Bruins. And I think what Patrice Bergeron did uh, last season when he re-upped was a gift to the Boston Bruins. And I think in a lot of ways, what you're seeing with Boston now whether it's the addition of Orloff and Hathaway, whether it's now the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi, whether it was, and this and all this really started last year with, with Hampus Lindholm. Um, I think that this is the Boston Bruins saying, we have one more really, like you probably have a few, but one more really, really good shot at this thing to win another Stanley Cup. And Patrice Bergeron has done us a solid. We all knew that David Pasternak was going to get paid, and he has. But in a lot of ways, I look at this and say, this is the Boston Bruins saying, we have one more shot at this because after this year, we don't know if Patrice Bergeron's coming back. After this year, we don't know about David Krejci. We don't know what's happening here. We're still going to have a good team. That's obvious. McAvoy's going nowhere. Hampus Lindholm's going nowhere. David Pasternak's going nowhere. Jake DeBrusque is going nowhere. Like, there's still some really good players here. Um, but it's really difficult to imagine that the Boston Bruins, minus someone like Patrice Bergeron, would be the exact same team. So I think the Bruins look at this as this is their one great shot to win the Stanley Cup. And listen, full value to them. You know, they've got a goaltender that's probably going to win the Vesna Trophy. And 
scored a goal. <laughs> and he's in the Rocket Richard conversation. If there are a Rocket Richard for goaltenders, uh, Linus Allmark would be winning it right now. So that's kind of how I see that one. This is the end of the bargains for the Boston Bruins as we get uh, Elliot Friedman back. Everything good, Fridge? I'm actually looking at something else now. Uh, people are texting me wondering if I choked, I, if I was turning blue because I was choking. I just want to say that that's not the issue, but I appreciate <laughs> my, I appreciate uh, all of your concern. Thank you. Thank you so much. No, I, I think there's something else going on I'm trying to confirm here. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's park the Voracek thing for a second because I do want to ask you about Arizona. But um, you want to put a final thought here on what we're see- what we've seen from the Boston Bruins today. There's the um, the extension to David Pasternak. You've been on this, and it's been you know you've talked about it being in the uh, eleven million dollar range. It comes in at eleven two five eight years is the uh, is the length of the contract. So it's a ninety million dollar deal. You know, outside of what Patrice Bergeron did for the Bruins, and it's very much for the Bruins. He did them a real solid in the off season. Are we here now to say the days of the discount are done in Boston? Well, there's no question in my mind that David Pasternak pushed them into an area they weren't initially comfortable going. Uh, I I have no doubt that that's the truth. Uh, I think there was, you know, and and you said it right. I think over the years, it's not like people aren't getting handsomely paid. I would never argue that. But there's no doubt that in Boston, you know, people kind of took less than market value to stay there and you know i don't have any problem with what posternock did um i think that you know you're worth what somebody is willing to pay you and he's a great player he's a one of the best players on the team and you know i also think that mcavoy you know he pushed the line last year he went to a number i think the bruins probably said i don't know that we'll ever get to and now posternock's really blown it out of the water and you know, ultimately, everybody puts on the smiley faces, and I think in long term, Boston will be very happy with this deal. But I do think that there were probably at the top of the Bruins organization, I don't know if they ever thought they were going to get here, and I'm sure there were times doing this where they were like, I can't believe we're being pushed to go here. But it shows that Pasternak mm-hmm. is uh, a really mentally tough person, both on and off the ice. And again, I never have anybody... I, I never have a problem with anybody signing a deal that someone puts in front of you. Yep, absolutely. Okay, to the uh, the headline from yesterday, and that is Jacob Chikrin. Uh So Jacob Chikrin ends up going to the Ottawa Senators, and this one is for a first uh, this year, top five protected, a second, which could become a first, and a second in 2026. And one of the keys here... Uh, for Arizona is the Coyotes take no money back in the deal. I'll talk to Bill Armstrong about this one at the top of the next hour, Elliot. But your uh, your, your thoughts on this deal now that we've had a, a few hours to digest it going back to yesterday. Well, first of all, let me just say this. Uh, the, the thing I've been kind of working on is I've, I've heard uh, Tampa Bay has some interest in Joel Edmondson. And uh, I was working on this last night. And I've been working on it this morning. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen, but it certainly appears that they've had some conversations about it. So we'll see if this goes anywhere. Um, you know, the thing I would say about Arizona is, you know, I spent some time this morning talking to people who really know the draft. And I asked them about, I was asking them about the value of picks. And, you know, I said, okay, tell me about this. The argument that, Arizona would make that 
this is a more valuable pick potentially from Ottawa than maybe a later, two later first, like one this year and one next year or two this year or whatever. And someone did say to me, there is a very legitimate argument to be made there. Now, the one thing that really hurts for Arizona is they've just made Ottawa better. And it, 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 it decreases the chances that your pick is going to be as high as you hope. He said, that's the, that's the risk you take is that you've just made Ottawa a better team. But in basic philosophy, the, this, uh, a couple people I spoke to said, yes, there is an argument to be made, and a decent one, that taking Ottawa's pick is more valuable than taking two later first-round picks. You know, I just, think, um, I just think the surprise there is that if you look at Ottawa, if you look at what Arizona had been talking about for almost two years or a year and a half, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Like it just, it doesn't fit with what they've talked about. And I think there is some frustration with how this is all going. Like they've, they traded for the Weber deal. And as I reported today, there's some talk that they're looking at the Voracek deal too from Columbus. Um, um, so, uh, so we'll see, um, uh, you know, we'll see, but, like, I understand, after talking to some people who really know draft machinations, I understand yeah. what Arizona was thinking. However, it looks really, like, maybe, you know what it maybe turns out to be? The best-case scenario for the Coyotes is this turns out to be Joe Newendike for Darrell McGinley. And I know Jacob Chikrin is not Joe Newendike, but he's an established NHL player and a good one. And remember, when they made that trade at the time, the Flames got destroyed. And it turned out the Coyotes have to hope that whoever they draft with this pick makes this trade look a lot, a lot better. For Ottawa, I think it's, it's a home run. Like, you heard what Derek Broussard said the other day. Like, we think we deserve help oh, yeah. here. And Pierre Dorian said today that, they, that you know, P- uh, Claude Giroux asked for help. And he went out and he got a player. He took no one off their roster. He didn't lose any of their best prospects. He's going to step in. I'm curious to see if they play him tonight, but he's going to step in and play. And like this Ottawa team, they want to go for it. And uh, I think it's a great message to send to your group. It's interesting, Jeff. One of the things I was curious about is they have a lot of lefties. You know, what are they going to do with that? And right now they seem content to put somebody on the right side. I don't think they're going to be in a hurry to move anybody. No, this is um, this one is interesting for the Ottawa Senators. You know, once upon a time, it was the Hamburglar that brought them to the promised land and now playing the role of uh, Andrew Hammond could be Jacob Chikrin. Um, You know, one of the things just one one more small point on on uh, on the Arizona Coyotes here. Um, Bill Armstrong yesterday, I'm going to ask him about this later on when I talk to him. Um, he gave this quote, nowadays with the salary cap, as much as the Coyotes have made out from a flat cap, it also makes it hard to do deals because it's money in, money out with a lot of teams. And here's the line. To escape with no money back, with no money taken back, was huge for us. You know, there is that belief and feeling out that, like, look, Gostas Bear goes for a third. There's three picks involved in this one. Um, the LA deal was scuttled because of money, we believe. Um, you know, there very much is that feeling out there that they're at a point right now that they can't take on any new, any new money. That this is, 
This is this is the no-fly zone for uh, for the Arizona Coyotes, and I think that that's a sort of I don't know saying the quiet part out loud maybe is uh, one of the ways to uh, to put that. Um, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, we mentioned Tyler Bertuzzi goes to the Boston Bruins. Tyler uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's former team, the Detroit Red Wings, they move him to the Bruins. Yesterday, they moved Philip Peronik to the Vancouver Canucks. Right-hand shot. We know Vancouver's looking for that. 25 years old, having a good season. But, you know, they kind of surrendered a lot here. A first and a second. Your thoughts on the Hronik deal and what should we expect further now because the deadline will you know, pass tomorrow at 3 from the Detroit Red Wings? Well, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, the one thing I'm curious about is Vancouver when they talk tomorrow. I'm, gonna be, I'm actually more curious about the Vancouver part of the deal. Um, I can't remember who I spoke to yesterday because it was such a wild day, but someone said to me if they want to pair Hughes and Hronik together, he said that could actually be a really good defensive pair, like really interesting. I think what everybody wants to know, though, is that was a potentially huge asset from the Islanders. And uh, I'd be curious to know why the Canucks decided to move it. That's, I think that's, that's what I'm really curious about. Um, uh, it must, must be to me that they think that there's no way the Islanders are are letting them have next year's pick. Like if you look where, uh, if you look where the Islanders are, and let, barring a real collapse, they're probably not going to be in the lottery. So I wonder if they either believe or, or or think or have any indication that the Islanders are just going to give them this year's pick if it's you know 16, 17, 14, 15, like in that area. So I, I am curious about that. You know, the Red Wings, not like it's so tough with Iserman. Like, I can, you know, like this week, um, <laughs> this week, we, you know, we were lucky. Like, the Wallman extension kind of seeped out a bit, the Larkin extension kind of seeped out a bit, but we didn't have any knowledge of the Ronek deal. And the Bertuzzi one only seeped out a little bit, like, right before it happened. So it's so hard to predict what he's up to. And, uh, but, like, I, I think you, I think he's uh, basically what he's showing us is he doesn't think his team is ready yet and he's still going to try some things around them. And, uh, you know, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. fault him for that. Um, I, I think, you know what, I think he, he let them stay in it a little bit longer than maybe he was originally thinking. It was a shame because that game on Saturday night, they dominated Tampa and they got Vasilevsky. Like that can happen. But the two yeah. games in Ottawa were, were really tough. Like they, they got their clocks cleaned and, you know, Iserman, people forget like and Jeff, you wouldn't, but the Red Wings were not only good, but they were really tough. That team that won. And yeah. I think that he just said, look, like we're not ready yet. And I think everybody gets that. Um, I know we talked about the Calgary Flames yesterday. Oh, and by the way, that Aginla Neuendijk deal, I always go out of my way to point this out because sometimes not getting what you want can work out uh, beautifully for you. The original ask was for Todd Harvey. It wasn't for Jerome Aginla, and that's what Dallas came back with instead of parting with Todd Harvey. Um, Thoughts on what Calgary, again, real quiet. Uh, We saw Carolina make some moves yesterday. Do we expect anything? I know I'm asking the same question, but the same team day after day, but you kind of have to as it approaches. Do you have any more of a sense of what Calgary might be thinking here? 
Um, I think, like, I, I think this. I, I think Calgary is one of those teams could do nothing, could do something. And I know that sounds really simple and stupid, and I am simple and stupid, so I can understand why people would think that. I just think the Flames are really in a holding pattern uh, because I think they've been. I, I just think they're really disappointed they're here. And I think that goes top to bottom, ownership, management, players. Like, they're just disappointed they're in their spot. I do think teams have called them. What are you thinking? Um, I, you know, I mentioned, I had some, you know, I've talked about Tafoli with Carolina because the history. Last night, uh, you know, I did something with TNT that we carried on our our network, and I mentioned Backlund's name. and, And not that I think that he's getting traded or anything like that, but I do think the Hurricanes have spoken to the Flames about what they're thinking. And I know that the Hurricanes are looking for a center. And, you know, like, I don't know that, like, I don't know that Calgary's willing to do that. But, you, like, you look up and down at a Calgary's roster, and I see two guys that make sense for Carolina. One of them they've already had is Lindholm. The other one they've is Backlund. These are both great players. I don't know what the likelihood is, and I know it would be expensive, but I just like I think I think Carolina is looking for a center. If it's a rental, it's not a big price that they'll pay. If it's a player with some term, and both those guys have another year, I, their history is they're willing to pay a little bit more. And I like I don't know what Calgary is going to do here, but the sense I really have from talking to people who've dealt with them that. They are just trying to wrap their heads around where they are and what that means. And, um, but I do think teams have called them, and I think Carolina is one of them. Like, they have good players there who've got, uh, who you can get two playoff oh, yeah. runs out of. And I think that people are just asking the Flames what they're thinking. And as I sit here today at 1026 uh, Mountain Time, I don't know if Calgary has an answer. But they're getting calls. You know, to uh, to Carolina, and this would you know fit le- yeah, easily with the, within their salary cap structure. Um, and there is interest in this player, and we've talked about him before. And he's been in Carolina before and helped eliminate the Boston Bruins uh, almost single handedly. You think Max Domi could return? I just, you know, the one thing about the Flames is I don't know if they think anything short term like that. Are we talking about Carolina? Sorry, no, 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 me, no, Carolina. No, no, yeah, I not think, Flames, Carolina. I think it's all, uh, just, sorry, I think it's possible. I just don't think they're going to pay much of a price for a rental. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's not, uh, the, okay, worst, so that's not the worst idea you've ever had. And that's probably the biggest compliment you've ever paid me. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about the Dallas Stars. And I, I tweeted about them this morning after the uh, Bertuzzi deal went down. With the Boston Bruins, I know they have you know with players like Ottinger and and Robertson, it's like they and and Haskinen, they have a number of windows here to be good and win the Stanley Cup. Um, I just look at how wide open the West is, and I know Colorado can scare teams. I get that, but I just look at how wide open the West is, and I keep wondering about the Dallas Stars. I know they've been in on a lot of the names that we've been talking about over the past seven days. Um, and they did the Dodonov deal with uh, Dennis Gurianov, but I just can't, can't help but thinking that, you know, isn't it sort of incumbent on the Dallas Stars to do something here, or they need something? Like, this is a team 
that could go deep. And if things really break their way and Nottinger has a performance like we saw against the Calgary Flames last year in the playoffs, they could go right to the Stanley Cup final. you have a thought on Dallas right now? I think that they are trying to be smart and trying to add. Uh, I think that's what they're trying to do. I, you know, I think one of the things Dallas, like, I think they should go for it. I think they've got a really good team. Um, <laughs> that's one thing that I, I, I really feel is that I, I think they're good enough and I think they should go for it. I think one of the things, though, as an organization, and we talked about this about a year ago, Jeff, is that they were going through their overall process of, of doing things. And I just think they want to be smart. Um, they got a lot of good young players. They're going to be good for a long time, I think. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I really, oh, I think the Voracek thing just happened. Yeah, it did. Um, so so um, they, uh, Voracek and a sixth for John Gillies. Uh, so that's and and like I like I mentioned to you earlier, I think there's insurance coverage for his injury. So that's what's going to go down there. Um, okay. You know, I I think so that, that again, that's 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 help for the Coyotes get to the salary cap floor, so everyone's on the same page. Yes, yes. <laughs> so <coughs> that's uh, I'm sorry, what were, I'm completely lost. Oh, Dallas, I would go for it. Dallas, Dallas Stars. Yeah, yeah. I I would go for it if I were them. So just so you know, my, 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 I just want to say, I mentioned like Edmondson uh, a couple of seconds ago, like I I haven't gotten a yes. I haven't gotten a no, but I didn't want to get off the phone without closing the loop. I think Tampa has some interest and we'll just see where it goes. Okay. Um, One final one. I've seen Rangers fans go just about everywhere. Most specifically, you know, uh, Islanders games, Devils games. I don't know that I've seen that many Rangers fans at a Philadelphia Flyers game, Elliot, ever. And you're listen. I know you've talked about, you know, that once great rivalry in the '70s, the Rangers and the Philadelphia Flyers. We think of Schultz and Rolf and that unfortunate situation. Some really good, hard, tough, hard-fought games, and these two markets really don't like one another. I don't know that I ever thought I would see what I saw last night. That many Rangers fans in Philadelphia. It's one of those jaw hits ground moments. What did you think when you saw that? Well, I I think there were a lot of angry. Uh, I think there were a lot of angry Flyers fans. You know, I, I don't I don't think you you know I I remember like so I'll tell you a story a few years ago. I went to go see, the, like, I'm a big Vikings fan, but I ended up getting tickets to uh, oh, you know. a, pa- yeah. a Packers-Lions game in Detroit. And there were, like, 75% of the crowd was cheering for the Packers. And I remember the owner of the of the Lions at the time, I think William Clay Ford was, was still in charge then, and he said, like, this is never happening again. And they changed their policy that if you if you wanted to buy a game in Detroit, you had to buy four, because you didn't want one person, you didn't want you showing up for one game to cheer for a team. Now you know how people get around this; they sell their tickets, and I'm sure because we didn't know until Tuesday night that uh, Kane wasn't going to play on Wednesday. But I'm sure a lot of Flyers fans, once they heard the trade was coming down, they bought those tickets, and so you might as well just make the trip. But if I was if I would own the Flyers or I was a Flyers fan, 
I, I would think that was disgusting too. Like I, it would drive me crazy. <laughs> there, uh, I got notes from a bunch of them. Not impressed, Elliot. Not impressed. And this is, uh, listen, yes. I, I don't want to dance all over anyone. This hasn't been a great season for the Philadelphia Flyers. That was one of those like, oh yeah, just go put it over there. Just put it over there for Flyers fans. <laughs> um, okay, back to your crazy day. Um, good job with all of this, and we'll stay tuned to see about Tampa and Joel Edmondson and uh, where that ends up. Thanks. We'll see if it's time. actually true or it's another one of my falsehoods. <laughs> it's um, it's not a lie. It's creative truthing. That's all. It's creative truthing. Uh, <laughs> you be well, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.